Thank you for tuning in to the Mile 40 podcast. I am Beshoy Tadros, the author of Break Barriers and Audacious, both of which are sold on Amazon. And I invite you to join me as I engage with guests to discuss those bounce back moments that we encounter on our personal journey. Mile 40 is a forum to learn about how athletes, professionals, and leaders of all backgrounds stared on moments in life where the only option is to rise up. The Mile 40 podcast strives to remind listeners that the comeback is always greater than the setback. Today's episode of Mile 40 is brought to you by HelloFresh. In the midst of fatherhood, marathon training, writing, and building the Mile 40 community, I tend to be forgetful of feeding myself. And that's why I lean on America's number one meal kit. A crazy schedule can make it easy to fall back into your dinnertime recipe rut. Keep mealtime exciting with over 40 recipes to choose from weekly. So there's always something delicious to discover with HelloFresh. With so many in-season ingredients, you'll taste all the freshness of fall in every bite of HelloFresh's chef-crafted recipes. Produce travels from the farm to your door for peak ripeness that you can taste. Now, go to HelloFresh.com slash 50mile40pod and use code 50mile40pod for 50% off plus free shipping. Once again, go to HelloFresh.com slash 50 mile 40 pod and use code 50 mile 40 pod for 50% off plus free shipping. We'll add the link to the show notes of today's episode for you to check out HelloFresh today. Welcome back to another episode of the Mile 40 Podcast. First and foremost, I want to take a second to thank you all. It's been a couple of weeks since the release of Audacious, and I want to thank you for your support, for picking up the book, for giving me the feedback. Uh, We're still in the early stages here, but results have been way beyond expectations. So just want to thank all the listeners out there. Um, If you haven't already, be sure to hit subscribe, follow along on the show. And if you haven't in yet, drop a review. Today's guest is Greg Scheinman. Greg is the creator of the Midlife Mail, a weekly newsletter and podcast designed to help men navigate and maximize middle age to achieve a better quality of life. One of the top-rated midlife podcasts, it features CEOs, athletes, authors, chefs, coaches, entrepreneurs, and other high performance. Greg is also the author of the Midlife Mail, a no-bullshit guide to help you live better, longer, happier, healthier, stronger, and have more fun in your 40s and 50s. At the Midlife Mail, Greg leans on his past experiences to guide compelling discussions and lead engaging conversations in what he calls the six F's, family, fitness, finance, food, fashion, and fun. Greg, thank you for joining me today. Hey, it's awesome to be here. It sounds like I do a lot. Let's see if I can <laughs> see how we can live up to this. Right you got, you you got so it, man. Of course. And, and as I was preparing for this and just looking through your website and I've been following you on Instagram, you know. I mean this in, in the most compliment, complimentative way, if that's even a word. You are someone who I aspire to work toward, you know, based on what you're doing. And again, as you all know, it's all rosy on the outside when it comes to the Instagram life and, and social media and what's out there. And you and I both know that. Uh, but with regards to, um, you know, the, the work that you've done and the accomplishments that you've hit, um, you know, I, I just want to say, on my end, I'm very proud to have you on the show, and I'm just grateful for the time that you're you're giving me here. Um, you know, to kick things off, I want to make sure that 
A, we know that you're addressing the midlife audience. How old are you? So first, let me say thank you for that. Um, Look, it's a pleasure and a privilege to be here. Uh, I'm grateful for all of these opportunities that I get to have with men like yourself. And to just hear that means so much. And I know we'll get into this because didn't always deserve that or feel like I deserve that or feel like I was living that way that would make anybody else look at me and feel that way. So, so thank you for that. I look forward to getting, getting into that. I am now 51 years old as of December 23rd. So we're here early in 2024, kicking off the new year. And I have turned the corner on 51. Wow. You know, I just want to make a quick call out. You are the second straight guest that I've had on the show, uh, who the last guest was 52 and now you're 51. Uh, and, um, both of you guys just look phenomenal, uh, you know, for, for hitting that, that benchmark. Uh, and so I think it speaks to also the fact that, and we're going to dive into this, you know, wellness is such a big part of the overall message here and, you know, Knowing you, I know it's a big part of everything that you put out there. Um, so we're going to be diving into some of your secrets here. Uh, but let's take a step back here. Um, before you became focused on uh, the midlife um, generation or the midlife period of living, uh, what was life like for you before all this started? Yeah, I'll take you back a little bit. Um, so I'm born and raised in New York on Long Island. Grew up there. Uh, it's a very privileged upper class lifestyle. Everything was great. Family was great. Mother, father, brothers, everything. Um, unfortunately, my father got sick with cancer when I was in high school, and he passed away when I was seventeen. And that that changed a lot. That changed everything for for me. I did go off to college, went to the University of Michigan, go blue graduated and moved back to New York because that's what we were supposed to do. And I was in the film business, film and entertainment Mm -hmm. business. And I landed my first job at Miramax Films as Harvey Weinstein's assistant. So I have the glorious distinction of running his office for several years and telling him to uh, F off 30 years before the Me Too era (laughs) and, and the rest of the world did. And I thought that's what I wanted to do was be in the film and entertainment business and produced a number of moderately successful independent films and ultimately sold my production company and and didn't want to do that anymore. Wasn't quite a a very healthy lifestyle. It was a little bit of be careful what you wish for. Didn't want to to do that and and ended up moving down to Houston, Texas, where my wife is now wife is born and raised. We met kind of in between that transition of getting out of the film business and not knowing what was next. And came down here where I was completely anonymous, if you will, and had a chance to start over. And we had our first child and I started a sports video production company and built that up over a number of years and ultimately sold that to Michael Eisner, who was the former chairman of Disney. And that started me on a completely different path. Path, you know, went from selling DVDs out of the trunk of my car to being involved with a with a major business business mogul. And at the end of the day, was back to square one now, and with not knowing what I was going to do next from there, and went from risk taker, if you will, to risk manager. I invested in, in an insurance and risk management firm down here, 
And we built up a firm over 13 or so years where I was with them. And we ultimately exited in 2020 and it went 20s and 30s and 40s. And here I am now at 50. Um, I'm talking about when this really started was trying to figure out like, what does middle age look like? I didn't really expect to be here, quite frankly. I always saw 47 as I make it to 47, like I'm in bonus time. It's farther than my own dad, you know, made yeah. it. So it's been a long and windy path throughout. We can get into where, wherever you want to want to go. But um, if you would have told me that I would be married with kids, 51 years old, living in Houston, Texas, talking about middle age, you know, for, for a living or for fun, or for, I would have told you to bet, bet the under. That's just never going to happen. So uh, first question, where on Long Island did you grow up? So I grew up in Great Neck, North Shore. Okay. Got it. I'm from Huntington. Okay. okay. Yeah. So, so we're both, we're both Long Island people over here. Um, and then the other thing I wanted to call out was you went to Michigan. This podcast is a big contingency of Buckeye fans. So, you know, I hope that doesn't, uh, yeah, I know, I know, I know that's tough to call out. And I probably shouldn't have said anything, but congrats on your win. And you got a big game coming up on Monday. Thank you. It's easier to accept the whole Buckeye thing right now when we finally like have turned finally. a little corner on that that dynamic. It's been a rough road with Michigan as a hot state for for a bunch of years, and it's nice to turn the corner. So, yeah. sorry for you guys. We're where we are. You had your time. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, no, thank you for give, for giving us that background, and and it really kind of paints the picture uh, around um, how things kind of played out um, of those different eras. Was there one in particular um, that really stood out in terms of uh, trials and, and tribulations in terms of determining how to take that next step in your life? There was. I mean, I'll start looking at my 20s. I didn't know what I was doing. You know, I was, I was lost. I didn't have mentorship, didn't have my father around, didn't know. It was really living a very reckless you know, lifestyle. And you know, 30s when we'd gotten down here, some things were going really well, but my identity was tied up in in the business. And then ultimately the the Eisner partnership and all these things were happening. And then when that stuff kind of goes, mm. you know, it doesn't go exactly the way you'd hoped, and the markets change and life changes. Yeah. And I found myself kind of very much alone and mm. having to kind of tuck my tail between my legs and then do something that was different in professional services. And now I'm going from this entrepreneur thing to like even this insurance thing. And people are like, what are you doing? And why are you doing this? I have two kids now and we have a house. We have, it was all this, it was just a strange, strange, surreal time. And I felt like I kind of went back to playing by the book. You know, and just like you're supposed to go to school, and then you're supposed to get a job, and then you're supposed to have a 401k, and you're supposed to have benefits, and you're supposed to work your way up, and you're supposed to like, you know, do all these things. And I hadn't ever really done anything that way. And like now here I was as like an older guy, like slow learner, maybe late bloomer, like having to do that. And while there was a lot of professional success for me that I was experiencing in doing that, like playing the part. It didn't really feel that great. It wasn't really me. It didn't really feel super, didn't really feel authentic. I didn't love the way I was dressing. I didn't love the lifestyle I was living, the way we were doing things. But but it was working from the outside yeah. looking in. Um, 
And it's an interesting kind of intersection when you're having great professional success, but you're feeling personally empty. You know, one bucket is filling up and the other is just draining. And what do you, you know, what do you do then? And I think, you know, that's where we, I found a lot of men right now, you know, certainly in what I'm doing, which is like that, that struggle on that intersection between, you know, finding personal passion and maybe meshing that with professional expertise and what financial responsibilities are. And all these things lead into that proverbial midlife crisis, which no, I fell into also. You know, it's interesting because, you know, th- that idea of fulfillment and 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 chasing down passion, um, you know, you kind of caught me off guard here because I didn't think there would be that many people in that midlife era who are still going through it. And I think you are dispelling something that, you know, a lot of people probably are unaware of, you know, like I, I struggled with that deeply um, throughout my banking career into my late twenties. And it wasn't until I was approaching 30 where I felt like, like I was starting to move in the direction of cracking that code. And what I tell people is, you know, in, in order to, find or unleash that that purpose, you need to get comfortable being uncomfortable and you need to exit your comfort zone and, and do things that challenge you because then you're you're going to start to realize what it is that you're truly capable of. And a lot of people, um, and I think you would say you perhaps were bucketed, bucketed into this at one point, lean into their work as their identity. Um, and leaning into, you know, their accomplishments professionally as, as being, you know, the, that, that source of fulfillment that they were seeking. Um, and so I'd love to kind of hear it from you a little bit, or, or maybe kind of help the audience and myself understand a little bit more about the fact that that search for, for fulfillment, there's no, there's no age period for it. It's something that you can find yourself going through, um, at any given point in life. Well, sure. I, I think especially for men or in particular for men, there's this, we do identify through our work and that becomes, you know, what is the first question most guys even ask each other? It's called, what do you do? What do you do? Yeah. Hmm? You know, not like, what do you do for fun? Or like, tell me about, it's like, what do you do? And everyone whips it out to see who's his biggest. And it's like, oh, we size everybody up, you know, that way based on that. And again, we chase salary and title. Yeah. has typically been the metric of success again for men this is what we are supposed to do you know you chase after this and then everything else becomes secondary tertiary so on and so forth you chase the salary you chase the title you know then you you know you get married and you have the kids and you provide and you're a husband and you're a man and you work your way up and this is again how we look act feel you know and perform yeah and how- we get to these spots of, of like conformity and complacency and redundancy at whatever, wherever they hit us, you know, whether that's, you know, midlife or, or, or whenever we kind of keep going, going and going, and we tend to over-index and call the over-indexing trap, you know, at work Mm -hmm. and all these things. And then you're like, wait a minute, like, how did I get here? And like, is this it? And I have a house and I have the two cars and I have the wife and I have the kids. And I have the private school tuitions now, and we have a kind of membership. We have all these things, and you're just like, "How did any of this happen? And how did I get here? And how do I get off the the wheel?" <laughs> you know, that's uh, is it even possible? You know, and has what I have built or done is it sustainable? 
Is yeah. it even what I want? Yeah. Is there an exit from this? Or is there like, am I just going to be a hustle and grind guy for forever? You know, like, I think there's just a lot of question. We end up with so many more questions than answers. And that becomes a tough place to operate from because we don't have any time to stop and really think about it and plan because we just keep kind of going and going. Got to get up and do it again. Got to do it. Then the weekend rolls around and we're going to dinner with other couples and we're doing this. And you're like, how did this, how did this happen again? And who do I talk to about it? And for guys, it's usually no one. Yeah. I mean, this is so important for so many reasons. And as you're saying it, I'm like, I usually like to like the guest guest talk, but I can't help but like want to interrupt you because you're saying so many good things here. And uh, you know, one thing is what I love is to hear from again, like how do other guys see it? So one thing that I'm experiencing and, you know, I'd love your take on this is I went through that period of, you know, identifying through my career and I hated it. And then I, you know, found what I believe to be my purpose and, you know, the thing that I'm going after. And and that's what you see right here and what we're doing today. But fatherhood was interesting because there's also now like this element of identifying as, as a father. Um, and you feel like you can only now relate to other parents. Um, and I'd love to kind of get your take on that. Cause you're a little further along than I, than I am into this, part of life, um, to understand it's okay, but you know, how eventually at some point you're going to want your own identity back. You're not just going to want to be dad as, as important as that title is. And as that, as that probably that is the most important title, there's gotta be more to you, who you are individually. Absolutely. I think to that regard, we wear a lot of hats. Yeah. And I like them all and they all have purpose and they all have a degree of, of passion and responsibility and obligation and, and enjoyment, you know, to, to all of them. Like, look, I've been married for 23 years at, at this point, 25 together. Our two boys are 20 and 17. I don't know how that happened, you know, either in there. Um, Again, I lost my dad early when I was 17 and he was 47. A lot of the stuff I'm even experiencing with my boys, certainly over the last three, four years, it's uncharted territory. I'm like, boys, listen, I'm going through this with you. I, yes. um, I'm learning stuff. I'm what I'm supposed to even be teaching you, how I'm supposed to like, I didn't make my ask, like we're doing this, we're doing this stuff together. I think there's a couple of things there. You know, one, I love being a dad. I think there's a difference between being a dad and being a father. Yeah. I mean, being a dad is kind of like easy and all the fun stuff and hang out with them and be their friend, you know, and then I've coached literally all the different sports. And now we've seen our older one go off to college and we've driven cross country and we've moved them in and with all this stuff, the dad stuff's amazing. Like being a father is really hard. The responsibility, the life lessons, the discipline, you know, all of the, the real value adds, the, you know, the really teaching them what they need to know, not making it to, there's a difference there between being a dad and being, being yeah. a father. That stuff's really, you know, it's really hard um, 
important, but you start also tackling that on or, or tacking that on to after a full day at work and all the other response. Yep. Like, again, yeah. we just have a lot, there's a lot in the, in the bucket. So I don't know if I'm answering your question directly, but it's like, you know, what I've come to now is like, can I just live my message? Can I live and lead by the best example I possibly can each and every day? Yeah. Am I proud of myself? The actions I'm taking, the choices I'm making, do I think they reflect well on my family, our last name, my boys, my wife, so on and so forth? And if I'm doing that as consistently as I can, the majority of the time, making the better choices, I say, then the majority of your life ultimately gets better. For me, that has helped to make me a better husband, a better father, a better dad, a better provider, a better human being overall. And I think that has trickle-down effect and impact on everybody in my life. Hopefully so, most importantly, my two boys and yeah. my wife. But now it's also a platform to, to help other men. And even women who want to know, know how men think and so on and so forth. And younger guys who want to see around the bend. And it's not about me having all the answers. I don't profess to, and, and, and I certainly don't. It's about sharing experiences and connecting and communicating and collaborating and learning and talking to all these other guys out there and pulling in all these different pieces and giving guys options and choices. Yeah. And saying, hey, we've aggregated from all this stuff that's out there. You know, people and process it and, and programs and brands and ways of doing things. And we've kind of curated it down when I'm done to what really kind of works best for, for me and eliminated the stuff that doesn't work. And you can do the same thing in your life. Yeah. No matter what you do for a living. And, and the last thing I'll touch on it, because it's something that you mentioned and, and we started there a little bit, you know, this purpose and passion, you know, thing even around like what you're doing. I'm a banker, but I really want to be a writer, you know, or I'm an insurance guy, and, but I really want to host a podcast or, you know, I'm a pharmaceutical sales guy, but I really want to be a, you know, a woodworker, you know, and stuff. And there's become this kind of thing about like, you know, you got to quit your job and follow your passion and do all these things. And I say like, it might be the most galactically irresponsible thing you can do in middle age to just like quit your yeah. job and your passion and listen to some influencer V type guy be like, this is what you know, like you only get one life at this stuff. It's like when you are married and you have children and, and you're a, have a career at all and you have overhead and you have all these things, I can tell you, if you think you're unhappy, because with your work, your current situation, and it doesn't mesh with your passions. I can promise you're going to be a lot. You're going to be a lot more unhappy when they turn off the financial faucet and the benefits go away and all the other stuff. So, I often offer their like hedge in a lot of ways. Yeah. Like, like think it through, make a plan. I talk about a map, midlife action plan, and ways to start saying, okay, go after what you're passionate about, your purpose, and but integrate it into your profession or really make a plan to responsibly go after these things. You may never make enough money as a podcaster or a writer or a woodworker or any of these other things, but start seeing even your career, your jobs through the lens of this provides me to get closer to those things or do these things. They say not all your hobbies need to become businesses. Yeah. Can we start seeing possibility and probability and opportunity through what it is we're doing and make a real plan of how we may want to get to the next thing? You know, I'm just, I just, 
I've seen it that it just comes up a lot. And I'm saying there's a lot of white space between quitting your job and following your passion yeah. and using your job or your career to fund or propel you closer to your passions responsibly and over the right period of time. Yeah, no, I mean, I think you're spot on. Um, and, you know, it's definitely something that, you know, I never speak about openly with my audience, but it's something that I believe in firmly, right? Like in terms of uh, I've, I've had a job my entire time since writing book number one, uh, up until now with building the podcast and everything. Um, and it's always been my philosophy that, you know, the job is laying the foundation for me to be able to invest and grow this platform. Um, and you know, if you're able to compartmentalize the two, um, and kind of look at the job for what it is, as being the, um, you know, that, that stable source of income that's going to um, lay down the investment, uh, then, uh, you know, you're absolutely correct, especially in the context of, of a family, you know, that stability, um, you know, you can't just pull that out um, because there's just too many people leaning on you for that. Um, if you can, great. Yeah. Well, that's it too. I think, again, midwife mail as a media company and, and, and what it's evolved into is really a how company, a how brand about how to maximize middle age, you yeah. know, how to make these, these changes, these pivots, these decisions, these choices. And what's really important in the how there is to make sure that again, that we're incredibly transparent and open and vulnerable and honest, and you don't bury the lead. Like, look, I had paid a lot of money to host a podcast for several years because I didn't quit my job as a partner in a large firm. It yeah. allowed me to do that. If you have money, a trust fund, residual income, passive income, or whatever, and that allows you to work out and do marathons all day, great. <laughs> but just don't bury the lead to everybody that's watching you, wondering yeah. like, how is it? Well, yes, it's possible because money keeps getting dropped into my bank account every two weeks. Yeah. That allows me to do this. Yeah. You know, like, as long as, again, we're being honest and we're being truthful and all of our situations and our, and our circumstances are different, this is about designing our own personal operating systems of how to get closer to what it is that we really want, the life we want to live, and how we can do it. And yeah. there's a lot of noise out there. So all I'm trying to do is cut through a lot of that and say, here's what it really looks like, and here's really how it's possible to do it regardless of what your situations or circumstances are. It may not be exactly like me now. Maybe it could get closer within a couple of years. It may not be like this guy or this, because we're all different. But here, how close can we get it? You know, what does success look like for us? What does that plan look like? Because if you don't know where you're going, you're, you're never going to get there. Yeah, no, I think you're spot on. And, you know, I, I think that to the audience out there, they may not know a lot of that, right? And the podcast is a good example because, you know, I, I think it's it's easy to, if you've never thought about doing a podcast or you don't really know what goes into doing a podcast, I, I'm... I'm blessed to have a job that allows me to pay to produce this podcast, you know, until it gets to a point where the podcast is going to be paying for itself. Um, and slowly over time, as the audience knows, there's been ads on this podcast and it's getting there. But if you listen to episode one relative to episode 61, which is where we're at right now, you're going to know there's obviously a big difference there. Um, and congratulations to that. Here's the other thing. 61 episodes means at least 61 weeks. 61 weeks and consistency and yeah. probably 200 or so knows yeah. from people that, you know, 
didn't say yes to coming on the podcast and so on and so on, and all the things that go into it and putting out two books like you've done. And I did a book last year too. And it's like, hey, here's the truth. Like I paid for my book. Yeah. That, that's, okay. that's, that's the risk you're taking with all this, right? You are investing in yourself, essentially, whether it's writing the book and you're paying for it all up front or you are, you know, starting a podcast or whatever it may be. You know, the, the, the 61 weeks, to me, it represents time and, and, fine, fine, and money. You, you're putting in time and money in hopes of, you know, generating an outcome. And for me, the outcome is twofold. It's someone coming up to me and saying, hey, you know, I read your book and you know, it allowed me to dig deep within and and understand that, hey, I'm going through this obstacle, so on and so forth. And this helped me channel the mindset to to fight it. Um, and at the same time with the podcast, it's, hey, like, you know, your podcast is attracting a lot of people. We want to work with you. And so there's, you know, there's two ways to look at it, look at it in terms of the output there, uh, who you're touching, who you're impacting, and also the the business element to it. Absolutely. Look, and it's and it's all you. Yeah. You know, that's the other thing. It's real, it's relatable, it's credible, it's aspirational. It's all the things that I think we're going for. And yeah. that, I believe you attract and repel exactly what you deserve. Yeah. So who do I want to bank with? Okay. I want to bank with somebody that I like personally, yeah. you know, that has a that is like-minded that lives a certain way. Like I'd rather meet you and go for a run, you know, than meet some other banker at a bar. You know, yeah. Now, 20 years ago, it might have been, might have been different yeah, there, but we, again, we grow and we evolve and we look for, okay, who do I genuinely want to support? Who do I really want to be around? Who are doing interesting things? You know, and if you start really doing that stuff, I believe, again, different measures of success will happen. Like, yes, it could be financial. It could be relationship driven. It could be just, man, I get up and feel better going to my desk job every day because I know that it allows me to come home and talk to 61 people. Yeah. Yeah. In there. And each time I do that, I learn something new. And each time I do, I get a little bit closer. I mean, I've got, you know, I've got an MBA, you know, through podcasting, mm. the education yeah. experiences and, and the widening and deepening of, of my personal network and professional yeah. network. And you go, wow, like, okay, how does that happen? It happens by showing up. It happens Absolutely. by doing Absolutely. it happens by when nobody is listening, you're doing it anyway. Yeah. I, I was and, at lunch today with someone and I, you know, said something exactly to the tune of that, where I said that when I when I first started this, you know, you know everyone goes through their own battle. And you know everybody out there, you know, regardless of what they're putting out into the world, has their own obstacles. But starting mile 40 has allowed me to you know, really uncover the fact that people are carrying stories with them, you know, that perhaps they never intended to share. Um, and, you know, it was an MBA or a crash course in, in humanity for me a little bit. Um, stuff that you, you say you know and you think you know, but seeing it really come to fruition by having these conversations um, and really dig, digging deep into the foundation you know, I, I look at what you're doing and, you know, I, I now I know more about your foundation and understanding uh, where you came from and what your trajectory is. It, it gives me a whole new meaning to the next time, you know, I see something that you put out there. Um, and, and that's very special. Well, I, I appreciate that. And, and I subscribe to that theory, too. I think look, the food tastes better when you know who made it. 
Exactly. All of these things, you know, do when you can kind of peel back the layers and you get to know people and you get to know what's going on behind it and you can see it and you can feel it and you can experience it. And even if you've tried to do it in your own life, whether it's gone well or not well, you develop this appreciation for people that are, that are putting themselves out there and and doing interesting things and challenging themselves. And as you said earlier, getting comfortable, you know, being uncomfortable and not doing it in this kind of, again, influencer kind of way or look at me kind of way or like, you know, for the, you know, validation of, of, of others, but rather being just truly and genuinely authentically influential because they're just out there doing what they want to do and, right. and not being afraid to fall flat on their face and, and get back up again and kind of keep trying, you know, look, the guests you get on week one are not the guests you get on week 62. Yeah. You guys, you get on week 100. All oh, I mean, the other part is, it's like you're just earning along the way. You're gaining credibility. You're getting yeah. better at your craft. I mean, whether that's business or health or fit, like it doesn't happen overnight. These changes, these transformations, these habits, these behaviors going from wherever you've bottomed out to where you want to go, this does not happen overnight. Progress is a is a process. It's a lifelong process. Yeah. And people want to know that you're not only in the game, you're staying in the game. Yeah. You're reliable. You're trustworthy. You know, you've earned it. Nobody was turning over million-dollar accounts to me in the insurance business five days after I got, you know, got to the firm. Yeah. Nobody, you know, A-list guests weren't coming on my podcast week two. <laughs> they were there. Yeah. You know, you gotta. You got to keep going. You got to prove it. You got to keep working it. And then, you know, you start to build momentum. You start to build trust. You start to really add value. There's no, they said there are no, no overnight successes. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it, it's an infinite game, right? And then there is no finish line. And uh, I think the the sooner you come to that realization, the more at peace you can be with enjoying the process. Um, you know, I, I don't, I I want to keep us on this conversation, but there are some things I definitely want to touch on. And because you brought it up so many times, you talked about the death of your father when you were younger. And I want to dig into your relationship with your dad. Um, and uh, in particular, some of the things that you remember him for. Uh, because I have to, maybe making a presumption here, I have to believe he's in your head a little bit as you carry forth with your own mission. So let's talk about that a little bit. Absolutely. Um, you know, he's in my head always, you know, in my head and my heart always. Uh, you know, one of the things that is a struggle, that is a challenge is as years go by, it is more challenging and more difficult to keep those memories and experiences kind of at the front, you know, mm. it's just, so much time, you know, in a way has gone by, no matter how hard you try to remember and keep putting greater distance, you know, gets, gets there to remember specific memories and times and experiences and faith and voices and all of those things. But you try so hard. So he's always in your head and always in your heart for, for that, especially now as a father. Um, and this whole, again, midlife thing for me was really kind of 
kind of it, it kind of came it all came to a head at 47. And they said that was the day, that was the year, the age my father passed away. And I was 47. When I turned 47, I remember I was in the parking lot. I've told the story about in the parking lot of my office building. You know, it's a beautiful day. It's my 10-year anniversary with my firm. I'm now 47 years old, the reserved parking spot, the office, and everything else. And I was like, and I just couldn't get out of the car. Just did not want to go inside. It mm. was the, is this it moment? You know, where, is this where life is going to be? Is this what I'm going to do day in and day out? Um, do I even want to make it that much further? You know, than, than 47. I used to think 47 was so old because when you're a kid, it seems yeah. so far away. It seems so old. And then I got there and it seemed so young, but it just seemed like, well, like, are my best days behind me or in front of me? And I really couldn't see him in front of me at that point. And it was because of the way that I was really living that wasn't allowing me to see hope and possibility and probability of, of aging as something aspirational versus something to fear, which is how I had seen it yeah. for so long. So that's where kind of the reframing and redesign of what I wanted my life to look like really started. It was like, okay, I'm going to get out of this car and I'm going to figure this out. I can squander the opportunities that I have, you know, and everything ahead, or I can take advantage of them. And my next phase can actually be my best phase. I can write a new end of this story, a new chapter. And by the way, didn't occur to me until later on, I'm not that bright, but it's like, it's called the middle, you know what I mean? Like for a reason, this is not the end. And, yeah. The middle is actually, once I step back and look at it, the middle, it's messy, but it's, it's the also part. the sweet spot. Yeah. It's the best part. It really is. And I was able to say, okay, I can take all that I've learned and I've experienced good, bad, ugly, and different, and I can apply it. And by the way, now I'm in a much better place to take all of those things and do better. We do have a little bit more money, okay? We are a little bit healthier. We are making some better decisions or we can certainly make more of them. My marriage is okay. It can be better. My kids are amazing. You know, there's a lot of things that are happening. I just kind of adjust this allocation of resources and capital and experiences and fun and the way I'm doing things, I can create a much more holistic view of what success looks like and lives like and feels like versus the way I've been doing things. And that's really what's happened over the last couple of years. And you know, now it's about sharing that with as many people as I possibly can. And again, showing them how it's possible as well. That's special from so many different pieces. I want to ask, you had mentioned something about, you know, before you got in that car or as you were in that car, you talk about the way that you were living before. Can you just elaborate on that a little bit? Yeah. And, you know, I think a lot of guys live like, live like I was living. Well, I only speak for myself here. It's like, I was drinking too much. I was staying out too late. I was ignoring, you know, some of my responsibilities as a husband and a father. You know, I just wasn't really present. 
again, yeah. I was checking a lot of the boxes. Yep. I was coaching the teams, you know, for my kids, one kid this season, another kid this season. I was the partner in the firm. I was able to get up and put the suit on every day and go to the office and cover the bills and do this. But, you know, you're meeting for the drinks after, you know, and then that becomes a couple of nights a week. You're staying out a little longer. You're missing work. You're missing workouts or not working out at all. I wasn't paying that much attention to, you know, my nutrition. You know, you just, you're just doing yeah. these things. And the next thing you know, you go, you know, 33 ways, 34 ways, you're buying bigger pants, you know, you do, mm. and you know, you're waking up, you know, with less energy because you've had a few too many the night before. And then my best friend's daughter made me a birthday card one year and she drew a bottle of Patron on the mm. car. And I'm like, okay, so now like when you start getting associated now with that's alcohol, like what you look like. Yeah. That's you know, right. And the answer is not to just keep buying bigger pants and it's not to keep going. You just it it just it happens, man. It just happens, and you go. Wait a minute, I'm just getting lost in this, and if I don't do something about it, this is not going in a great direction. Again, and just how it doesn't, you know, the success, yeah. you know, none of these things happen overnight. Like this wasn't happening to me overnight. It didn't happen over a period of years. You know, you yeah. gain an inch on your waist. You, yep. you know, you don't recover from two drinks the way you used to. Yeah. So then you miss a day at the gym, then you miss another one. And then you are meeting clients for dinners and you're exposed to different things. So you indulge differently. And it just it it's it's like compound interest. It just keeps it keeps adding up. Yeah. And that's what was happening to me. So was it extreme? You know, was it one of those, you know, moments per se? Was it an overdose moment or was it I was an alcohol? It was no, it was, it was a series, it wasn't one singular tipping point. It yeah. was a series of habits and behaviors and actions and reactions and circumstances and consequences that were not good. Yeah. That I was just not proud of. Yeah. And they just became way too many of those. Yeah. Even if you can function at that level of drinking, or even if you think you're pulling it off, and even if you struggle to remember what you did the night before, you were only slightly offensive to that person, or this, all these things they just add up. adding up. They add up over time. Yeah. I mean, you don't you like know, the guy in the mirror very much looking, looking back at you. Yeah. I mean, my, my audience is probably getting, no, yeah, I don't, you know what? If you're listening to this podcast, you probably strive to be a high performer. But the amount of times this topic has come up now, you know, there's a reason why it's come up so many times. And, you know, I told this story once before. It was a couple of years ago. I want to say maybe six, seven years ago after a Christmas Eve had, you know, one too many drinks at that point. And next day I, I looked at a picture of myself and it goes to the idea of looking at yourself in the mirror. There's a picture from the night before. And I just, I didn't like what I was looking at. And at that point, I didn't give up drinking. You know, I, I, you know, I just started to work out more and took fitness more seriously. It wasn't until I, I gave up drinking a year ago, and that was more experimental. And again, I talked about that on the last episode. And I, I haven't had a drink now in thirteen months. But, um, you know, I, I, I listened to your story, and I, I can't help but ask because you were at forty-seven. Did the thought ever run through your mind, man? I wish I, I had that moment earlier. Oh, absolutely. Look, I said, I said before, I'm a slow learner and a late bloomer. Mm. Um, I wish I learned earlier 
about a lot of things <laughs> in there. I, I wish I got the memo on so many different things earlier on, but I also believe that everything happens for, for a reason. And again, that life gives you what you can handle, the way you can handle it at the times, again, that you can, you can handle it. And I think one thing that's really cool is that right now, again, and why I'm so kind of bullish on on middle age and what's ahead is because we do have this opportunity now to live happier and healthier and wealthier and longer and stronger and have more fun than we've ever had before. Yeah. And we can extend the runway. The runway is longer. And if you are making smarter decisions and acting and acting and behaving healthier and better, you know, we have a lot of great time. I genuinely believe now my 50s and 50 through 70 are going to be the best years of of our lives. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if I would have wanted them at, at 20. It's kind of like, you know, you don't want to peak too soon yeah. in a lot of ways. And yeah. and have you, you know, I've talked to my boys about this. I did not like being popular in school. Yeah. I was. I mean, I was popular in school. I didn't mm. really, I didn't like it. Junior high, high school, it put a lot of pressure on me. I think it really did a number on me when my dad passed away too. You know, I try to maintain this image that I have it all covered and I figured it out and I look really good. And I do that. Like it was a disaster. You know, to be popular as a very insecure, non-confident person. Yeah. It's like a really weird thing. I don't know how that happened to me either. Yeah. To be able to figure out who. I really am and and what I really like about myself and develop some semblance of confidence has all happened much, much later. Yeah. Ironically, it's happened after all my hair fell out. It's happened after all, you know, it's good. No, like, like I said in the beginning, like, like I mean, you, you look you look phenomenal for 51. So you're, you're kind, thank you. But it's like a we it's like a strange thing, at least to me, it is like how confidence and security and humility and vulnerability and all these things kind of work themselves out in different stages of your life. And I think one thing that that I also hope comes across and goes out there like to people is, is part of this connection. And you've had a lot of really interesting, amazing people on your show. And I've had a lot on, on mine. Like, what I'm, I'm just a guy, I'm just a 51-year-old guy just trying to figure it out. Like anybody else out there, there are some areas of life I've had some advantages. There are some areas of life that that I wouldn't wish on anybody else. Yeah. But overall, just another run of the mill, like five, nine, 175 pound, pretty average guy, you know? Average intelligent. I've went to a pretty good college. I didn't do a lot there. You know, I've had some pretty good career success, had a bunch of colossal failures. Kids, marriage, it's like, hey, we're all just trying to do the very best we can. Love so if, if it's possible for me to make certain changes and keep going forward and apply this, then again, I know that it's possible for, for anyone. And that's why I'm pretty staunch on the like, you know, no shortcuts and no excuses. You know, the, uh, the Troy Aikman beer motto yep. from his new company. And, and I believe that it's like, hey, you got to do the work. Yeah. If you care enough and it means enough to you, you got to do the work. And if yeah. you do the work, yeah, you know, it's respected. 
And if you think it's going to happen again by hope, hope is not a strategy. If you think it's going to happen because you deserve it or you're entitled to anything or osmosis or any of these other things, or because some influencer tells you that you can get abs in seven minutes, you know, or that you can do this, it doesn't fucking work. That, can I, sorry. Yeah, absolutely. Let it, it doesn't fucking work that way. It yeah. just doesn't. Yeah. It works the way you're doing it. It works yeah. by doing one week and two weeks and three weeks and 61 episodes later and two books later. It works when you do the shit when nobody's watching. Yeah. No, I agree with you. And, you know, uh, you hit on so many important points there. Uh, but I remember, you know, I was speaking to a group of college students a couple of years ago and I made sure to point out right away, like, look, I'm not smarter than anyone. Not, I was never stronger than anyone. I was never the best looking person in the room. I'm not the best writer. I, you know, no attribute of me, of mine, was necessarily superlative. And, uh, you know, I, I just always believed in if you, if you just stick to the fundamentals of, of discipline, patience, and perspective, and purpose, you could accomplish just about anything. And, um, you know, I, I think that's what it all comes down to. And, you know, as we wrap things up and there's, I could talk to you for hours. I want to ask, you had that moment at 47, you're 51 now. At what point did you feel you earned the right to then start telling this message to others, right? Because like, you have to imagine you're just figuring out at 47 and it's a powerful moment that you're going through. And now you're implementing changes for yourself, right? And you are learning to live as, you know, the new you figuring it out. At what point did you think, okay, like I've, I've now earned the right. And how did you, um, build on that? And, 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 you know, obviously what you put out there is, is awesome, but it, you know, it's a question I'm sure everybody's burning to ask. It's like, okay, how'd that go? It's, it's a very silly answer to it. Yeah. Love Uh, it. But it's the George Costanza Seinfeld answer, which is like, if everything I'm doing isn't working, what if I just did the Iron Jerry's? I just do the opposite, you know? And that was really pretty quick around like 40 cents. Like, okay, nothing feels like it is working. So I am going to just do the opposite. You know, what was it? George was ordering tuna every day. Now I'm going to order yeah. truck. No more tuna from I'm going to do the opposite, you know? And it's like, you know what? Can it actually be that simple? You know, I say this a lot, like it's simple as hard, which is why most people don't do it. And it was like this permission that all of a sudden I gave myself Mm. to just like be truthful or do the opposite. So, okay, technically, I guess we were required to wear suits to the office and everything else, like just stopped wearing them one day, you know? I thought I had to go after certain types of businesses to become clients. I realized there was just as many clients that I wanted to work with in industries I wanted to work with whose money was just as green that looked a certain way and acted a certain way so I could go after them, you know, and, and do that. I could, again, if I was not working out and felt pretty lousy, well, what's the opposite? Let me start working out again and I'll probably feel better. If I was drinking and staying out too late, what if I, said no to that, you know, and stop, stop saying yes to dinners out with clients and drinks and started inviting them to work out with me and having, you know, smoothies afterwards. Yeah. The opposite of everything and being extremely, extremely public about it. Yeah. That was the key. 
I love the that. The key was being like, and that's when I started writing, which was, you know, the blog and the newsletter. And that's when I started doing the podcast. And here's what also happens when you put it out there, when you really go public, when you really own it, like you got to live it at that point. I mean, if I would write on Sunday morning how I did not like golf and I no longer wanted to drink and I know like I was getting fired by clients left and right. I was people stopped inviting me to go fishing or play golf with them and all this. You put it out there enough times and your actions are going to get a reaction. Yeah. Good, bad or indifferent. So that it would really it was as simple as that. It was like what I was doing was not working. I'm going to do the opposite of that and I'm going to own it. And that really created a lot of momentum. And I honestly, I lost a lot of friends over it. Yeah. I lost clients over it. Um, I think I've made everything back tenfold. I think, again, we attract and repel exactly what we, we deserve. You know, and as I say, like, you know, chasing authenticity where authenticity doesn't exist is exhausting. Mm. I just doing that. And I started doing what actually was really authentic and was really me. And whoever wanted to get off that ride got off. And whoever wanted to jump on came on board. Awesome. And, you know, the, the truth set you free from there. I mean, there's no, um, there's no better way to put it and no better way to end it. I mean, uh, I had mentioned this on the last show when, when I was thinking about the the framework for audacious and, and the book, the point was to define the word. And I broke it down into five characteristics, uh, vulnerability, authenticity, adaptability, resilience, and persistence. And all five of those characteristics were employed, you know, once that realization was made that you are looking to make that change. And then you start to see what it is that you're, truly capable of. And I, you know, to your point, you said 50 to 70, which means that you're only getting started. You're 51. You're just getting started right now. You're barely scratching the surface. And so, Greg, I want to say thank you, man. Thank you for coming on. Thank you for sharing all this, for opening up, for talking about, um, you know, how you got started, you know, the journey and where you were impacted along the way and for letting us in on how you're approaching this platform that you're doing such a good job building. So I just want to say thank you for all that. Oh, thank you very much. Look, you're, you're welcome. I love being here. Thank you for having me on and for reaching out and being patient with me to get this set up and everything. So it means a lot. And, and you're doing great work as well. So anywhere I can be supportive and help you, I'm happy to. You got it. Thank you. Thank you for listening today. If you enjoyed this episode of the Mile 40 podcast, go ahead, subscribe, leave a review, and share the word. Thank you for being a part of the Mile 40 family. And let's unite in showing the world that comebacks are always greater than setbacks.